Franchise Life Podcast. My name is Victoria Smith and I am your host and you guys, I am so excited for today's episode. For those that have listened to the podcast for a while, you know that I am a huge advocate for mental health issues. I have been through my own struggles and my own journey with mental health, be it depression, prenatal depression, postpartum depression, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm really passionate about mental health wellness and how we can create this atmosphere and this understanding amongst people that struggling with your mental health is normal, (laughs) to be honest. And I know a lot of people hate that word normal, but it really is. So many people experience this and yet we are, we're getting over it. We're getting, we're making progress, but so many people feel shame around admitting their struggles with mental health, or they don't even know how to recognize it because they struggle with shame so much. So I am incredibly honored and pleased that today on the podcast, we are joined by mental health advocate and activist, Bryony Gordon. So Bryony is out of the UK. She is a journalist for The Telegraph. She is an author. And uh, I recently read her book, Mad Girl, which I highly recommend you check out. Talks about her experience with OCD and, and mental health issues. And she does have a new book that's coming out as well. I don't think it comes out in Canada for a little while. All of the links for this is in the show notes. So you can find that at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash 58. Because we're on episode number 58, which I find incredibly hard to believe, but I'm super excited about it. So in this episode, Bryony and I talk about her personal journey with with OCD, uh, how she handles her self-care these days, how she got involved with Heads Together, which is a charity in the UK that focuses on mental health issues. We also talk about her own podcast, which is absolutely phenomenal and is how I heard about Bryony in the first place. It's called Mad World and they introduce and she interviews people about their mental health issues from all walks of life. But you know, her very first interview (laughs) to kick the podcast off with a bang was with Prince Harry. So that interview kind of went global. And that's how I first heard of Bryony. And I've just been an absolute fan of hers ever since. So I highly recommend that you check out this interview. If you are struggling with any mental health issues, I I really encourage you to, to reach out for help or support. If you know someone that's struggling with their mental health, perhaps share this episode with them. Or just share it with people widely because you care about reducing the stigma of mental health in our community. Now, I do want to tell you a little bit really quickly about our sponsors. So the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, ATB is passionate about supporting pride in Alberta. And I think especially as we're talking about mental health issues and and all that kind of stuff, pride is really important. So ATB lights it up rainbow style for pride across Alberta every year from their building in downtown Edmonton to their pride brick road at their Stephen Avenue branch in Calgary. ATB is a longtime partner of Camp Firefly and Firefly in Schools. So if you've seen ATB's Pride MasterCard ads, chances are it's made you cry with its accepted everywhere message, which I just think is so strong and so powerful. 
Now, I do want to tell you about another podcast that's part of the Alberta Podcast Network. So we've talked about this one briefly before, but I want to talk to you about the Assumptions Podcast. It's where a Christian and an atheist have a polite conversation. Kind of. So Daniel and Kyle have some have some competing worldviews, and yet they still remain close friends. And I think, you know, especially as we talk about difficult subjects, recognizing that everyone has a different point of view is so valuable, especially in this day and age, especially with the politics in the world that we've got. So I, I think their podcast is absolutely fantastic. I will link to it in the show notes. But again, you can find all sorts of different podcasts on the albertapodcastnetwork.com. Again, I will link to that in the show notes. And they're just like, we're, they're rocking it. Their member podcasts are knocking it out of the park. I am so proud to be a member of the network. So without further ado, let's head over to the interview with Bryony. I just quick warning for you, Bryony was out and about on the streets of London as we recorded this episode. So you will occasionally hear a little bit of background noise, but I tried to edit out as much of it as possible. Anywho, over to the interview and have a fantastic day. Well, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. And I'm sorry if it sounds really chaotic. I'm like out walking my mum's dog in a park in London. And it's like lots of chill school children running around because they just got out of school. And it's emblematic of my life and the <laughs> chaos of my life. So I apologize. Not at all. Anyone. Fresh air is good for us all. So it I, is good, and we've we've had like we have had like not we've had like British snow, which is like not proper snow, <laughs> not like your snow. I was, and um, it just suddenly got sunny, so I'm like, oh. I was God, saying to someone the other day, my I recorded a podcast with a, another gal in the UK, and I was saying it's funny how in my husband's from Scotland, and in the UK, you'll say with snow, it's oh. the beast from the east, and we look outside and we're like, it's snowing, like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's like literally like a dusting, a yeah. dusting of snow, and everything grinds to a halt. Yeah, and like all of the newspapers and all of our like news websites are like, "Oh my God, stay indoors! Everyone's gonna die!" <laughs> um, it's quite, it's quite, but you know, like it is nice that spring's coming now. Yeah, but yeah, absolutely. I don't think we we really know what proper snow is. Anyway, <laughs> so I wanted to start with the question that you actually ask all your guests on your podcast, which is. How are you yeah. doing? And how are you doing really? How am I really? Okay, I'll be honest with you. I'm feeling a bit mad today. I I just, yeah, so I have OCD and I'm in recovery from alcoholism and addiction. And uh, so I have days where I feel completely overwhelmed by stuff, <laughs> like anyone, anyone does. And so I decided I was supposed to be going and doing a talk somewhere somewhere else in the UK and I just sort of took the day off and cancelled it all and I spent the day sleeping and resting and going to AA meetings and now I'm walking my mum's dog to try and get some fresh air and do some self-care yeah so I'm not I'm, I'm not amazing but I'm like that's okay do you know what I mean yeah. it's okay to not be amazing and I think when it's really important to be able to recognize that <laughs> and then kind of put the steps in it's a bit like if you suddenly got, you know, like dagger throat when you're, you know, when you feel like you're getting ill yeah, or your glands go up. And then so you'd immediately start to like eat healthy, you get some rest, you know, you'd start taking some paracetamol or whatever to 
it's like I kind of feel like the same thing with mental health. So yeah. How long do you think it took you to get to the point where you were proactive about self care when you felt those warning signs? Oh my god! I mean, it's really recent that it's happened. So I'm 37, nearly 38, and I feel like I'm a sort of work in public progress, a public work in progress, if that makes sense. Because yeah. I've sort of written about my mental health issues for the last couple of years, and you know, I'm learning by talking about my mental health issues. I meet other people who suffer from the same things, and I learn from them and. You know, so I'm learning all the time, like every day. I think it's really important to kind of, you know, to, to never be so arrogant that you think that you're kind of cured or, you know, that you, you know you've got everything licked. Do you know what I mean? And I, I'm constantly learning. So, yeah, but that, that's only really recently since I sort of put down alcohol and, um, and got into some, some sort of more deep therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, like, but really recently. And I, and I kind of think to myself, my God, you know, it, it's amazing how one can live in a sort of like bubble of self-denial for so long, you know. But so many of us do. Things. Yeah. Yeah, because it's easier. Like, it's so much easier to ignore it than to confront any of the stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we always try and go around it, you know. We try and go around it and actually you've just got to go through it. That's the only way to the other side, right? Yeah. Like, if you're going through hell, just keep going. Yeah. So that's kind of what I, that's my motto now. But, you know, I think it's, it's okay to kind of like constantly be learning about this stuff, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I first came to learn about you through your podcast, Mad World, and uh, of course your Prince Harry interview that kind of went viral around the world. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did I mention I interviewed Prince Harry? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just going to get this question out the way now. Does he yeah. smell good? Does he smell good? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I'm gonna be. I, do you know what? It's really funny how many people ask this question. Did he? <laughs> did he how did he smell? And I'm like, what? Of course. Like everyone wants to know how Prince Harry, royal. This royals have a different smell to you know. Like, is it the best like cologne other, or is it? Yeah. Well, I didn't notice his smell at all. I'm not gonna. I mean, he didn't smell. So <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> in any way, you know, I I wasn't like, oh my god, what's the cologne you're wearing? Has yeah. a yeah um you know he was just you know he was really normal um (laughs) so i mean as you know like really normal like shocking me because i always say that if i had been through what those two had been through to the public i would be like in rehab and then my friends go you were in rehab and i was like okay i'd be in like ultra rehab yeah they are just really grounded and you know when i was doing the podcast with him i think it's that really weird like thing where you have to kind of go you know, in your head, you know, all of us have been grown up to kind of have grown up knowing the royals, you know, we, we've got to be very deferential to them. And, you know, and, and and actually, you know, you have to go, actually, they are just normal human beings. Yeah. You know what I mean, they're, they're like us. They go to the bathroom, you know, they, for my mum's dog is wintering. Um, <laughs> they, go to, they have to take their mum's dog for walks, probably. Yep. So, yeah, so like, you know, I, I think they're great. I think he's great. He's lovely. And I met Megan recently. Oh, who I like totally, I was like blown away by how amazing she is, how, how normal she is, and yeah. how cool she is. Did you get yeah. an invite so, to the wedding? Uh, I, 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 I haven't gotten an invite to the wedding. <laughs> like, I, I, you know, like kind of, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I've, I've come to terms with that. I spoke to my therapy. I don't even, like, I don't expect to. I don't know them well, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, they're not. Yeah. Like, it would be weird. It would be like me inviting them 
after my wedding, even though I'm already married, be like, oh, we really know each other that well. We, you know, it's like, it kind of be like inviting your colleagues, your kind of very distant yeah. colleagues. And I'm sure they want to have like a quite, a, you know, as intimate and private an affair as they can possibly have, you know, because they're lucky. They don't have to do that state occasion. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, but um, they're great. I'm oh, really great. like, I think what they're doing is just amazing. Yeah. Like if I, I always say, you know, I did an event with them recently at the Royal Foundation Forum where they all appeared for the first time together, four of them. So Harry, Meghan and the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. And, um, and I was hosting a panel after they were on about Heads Together and the work they've done. And I sort of had to just stop and say to them, thank you guys, because, you know, it makes a massive difference. And people are that, that you know, the most famous people on the planet. And also people from an institution that's traditionally known as very stiff upper lip, yep. very buttoned up. When they stand up and talk about mental health issues it makes a huge difference you know it really goes a long way to normalizing it and I still you know it's actually a year ago today that I did that interview with Harry oh my and, gosh um, yeah and uh and I still get people talking to me about it and telling me how it kind of helped them and it's like such an honor to have yeah. been part of that you know to have been even a small part of that so yeah yeah so I'm going to circle back a little bit for people that maybe don't know your history. I, I'm such a big fan yeah. of your book, Mad Girl. You talk about this experience of having gone to bed one night, quote unquote normal, and then waking yeah. up a completely different person the next day. Could you sort of describe that yeah. for our listeners? Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know, I was just a normal sort of 12-year-old girl, you know, um, and I went to bed and I had a dream I had an incurable illness and I woke up and I was convinced I had AIDS, like completely convinced I had AIDS, even though I was kind of like, I'd never even kissed a boy and my drug habit was at least 10 years off, you know, and I didn't ever got intravenous. But um, I, I, I was convinced I was dying and that was it. And for about three months, I thought the world was over. And what I didn't know is that I was suffering from something called obsessive compulsive disorder. And so we've obviously all hear people go oh I'm a little bit OCD yeah you know but OCD is a really debilitating illness and I describe it a bit like your brain refusing to acknowledge what your eye can see be it that your hands are clean or that the oven is off or that the iron is off or that you haven't just uh run over a small child in the street you know and um I it, it has it has so many different ramifications and it takes so it manifests in so many different forms but I just thought OCD was something celebrities sort of claim to have in terms of like being very organized or, yeah. you know or clean you know it was all very like oh people still say to me oh you've got OCD must, that must be really great you must be really organized and I'm <laughs> like no way like you should see what a mess my house is I've heard you talk uh, about the floor drobe a floor drobe yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, incredible at the time at the time at the moment yeah and uh, my husband sort of jokes I wish you had the good type of OCD but of course there is no good type of OCD yeah so so that was a kind of beginning of a, uh, a journey, and then it it sort of it sort of changed, and I sort of had intrusive thoughts, and I said I thought I was a serial killer. <laughs> I'm not, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but you know, like we all have intrusive thoughts, like what if I push that person on the train, or someone's giving you their baby? What if I drop them on the floor? And but like we all, most of us, the majority of us, recognise them for what they are, which is just random thoughts, right? But like someone with OCD becomes very distressed by them and sort of um, ruminates about them and worries that they are their thoughts, which of course they're not. 
that's a form called pure oath. I, I suffered, or I still, I guess, to a certain extent, suffer from that. But that had sort of lots of ramifications in terms of, you know, if you don't treat the mental illness. And we all know, we know that mental illnesses are mostly very treatable or early. But if not, like any other illness, like, like diabetes, for example, if you catch it early and then you treat it and you eat well and you're healthy, you know, you probably live a pretty long and, you know, nice life. But if you don't and you, you know, you, you, you don't know you've got it and you continue with a poor diet and so on and so forth, you can end up with a leg amputation, you know? Yeah. And, and so it is with mental illness, you know? It's, so it's sort of snowball. So you become like a, mess, a magnet picking up metal shavings. So I was bulimic, I had a rampant cocaine habit, I drank too much, you know, and, and all of this kind of, you know, all of this sort of went on until, you know, until, until I was in my early 30s, when it was something that could be treatable. And I, I, I'm a journalist, so I work at a newspaper in the UK called The Telegraph, and I was writing a column about being a sort of party girl and all the rest of it. And then I kind of was like, why am I not talking about this crazy stuff in my head, you know, I... I would rather write about my crazy sort of party antics. Yeah. I was less ashamed of those than I was of the OCD. And I sat down one day and I wrote a column about my OCD and it was like the floodgates opened, like millions and millions of people, not millions and millions, but hundreds of people emailed me and wrote to me and told me, me too, if not OCD, then some other form of mental illness. And and I realised it's really, really normal to feel weird, you know? Yeah. And um, so that is... Um, so I guess I've become a sort of accidental mental health campaigner through yeah. that. I, I wrote Mad Girl and then I set up a walking group called Mental Health Mates, which is where people can kind of go and walk and be with people without any fear of judgment. And it's about kind of using the power of pressure and exercise, yeah. you know, as we know is is really good for mental health issues. Yeah, and then yeah. I and then I got involved with Heads Together, which is the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Prince Harry's mental health charity, and uh, ended up running the London Marathon last year for yeah. um, for Heads Together. Yeah, and that was when the Prince Harry interview happened, and the podcast started, which is still going, and um, we have different people on every week talking about their mental health issues, from princes to you know normal people, nurses, you know, to, to prove that it affects everyone. I think the interview that you did with Mandy Stevens was one of my favorites. It was just uh, oh, yeah. seeing it both from Mandy as a professional and then someone that went through the system herself was just such an eye-opener. Yeah, so Mandy was our second guest after Prince Harry. and We yeah. were really keen that we didn't want it to be like just celebrities coming on and talking about their problems. And not that that was what Prince Harry did. He was very upbeat. We wanted it to be upbeat. But so we got um, Mandy's a mental health nurse and had been for 30 years. And she never experienced any mental health issues. And then a couple of years ago, she had a breakdown and she was hospitalized for three months. And she wrote a blog about it, the experience that went viral. So we asked her on and it was really fascinating to hear that. And, you know, just to sort of see how it can hit anyone at any time. You know, we all need to be aware of that. Yeah, I love that podcast still goes super well. Yeah. <laughs> So I just wanted to loop back. You're talking about your 20s and early 30s, sort of the party girl, that kind of thing. Did did you realize at the time that it was a coping mechanism? Like, were you conscious of that or was that not something you realized no. until oh later? Oh, my God. I, 
I thought I was super self-aware because I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I'm such a loser. But like, I, I had no idea, no idea that it was in, literally until I wrote Mad Girl. I, that was when I linked the kind of partying with the OCD. I mean, how lacking in self-awareness is that, right? I mean, as a, I, honestly, Victoria, it's a wonder that I managed to stay alive. I sometimes like <laughs> take my breath away. That kind of like, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, how kind of, but I think, you know, the humans, we are, as a species, incredible. You know, we are, the, our capabilities for denial and burying our head in the sand are, are huge, you know, they're infinite. Yeah. Because it's, it's out, that in itself is a coping mechanism, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't regret any of, you know, any of my experiences. Obviously, they were painful and I, I don't want to go through them again, but I feel incredibly grateful to be where I am and that I have take, I have been able to use the platform I had as a journalist to take this negative and turn it into a positive. I'm, you know, I am, I'm so grateful. Like it, it's wonderful. Yeah. And sometimes it's overwhelming and sometimes it, you know, but it, it's fundamentally an amazing thing. And there's just this incredible opening up of mental health, certainly in the UK, um, you know, and it's amazing to be part of it, to yeah. see it happening in front of your eyes. It's like, oh, my God, I, like I'm getting shivers around my side just talking about it. I mean, that may be because it's quite cold as well. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I just, I feel, I feel incredibly blessed. And, you know, I was very privileged in that I'm a sort of, you know, middle class girl who, you know, I, I always had resources and stuff behind me. And I think that, you know, if, if I struggled with that, what hope lots of other people who aren't you know as lucky as me to have supportive parents whatever or so for me it's like a way of giving back yeah and like being able to help to pay it forward to people and you know and like talking about it and running mental health make doing the podcast it's like trying to make mental health care accessible to all really yeah you know, that's that's what I want you, know? you hope that one day it'll be treated like they, we won't talk about mental health, you know? Yeah. And we won't talk about physical health. We'll just talk about health. Yeah. That's what I hope. But, you know, we're getting there. The long way off, but we're yeah. getting there. <laughs> yeah. So how challenging was that process of writing the book? Because I, I, f- I feel like I would have given up after, like, a couple chapters and gone, nope, too hard, can't face this. I was like, who knew that writing about mental illness might make you feel a little bit mentally ill? <laughs> it was. It was dreadful. But I hate writing books. I hate writing books, which is a real bummer because it's like kind of my job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a bit like I kind of approach them a bit like I have approached, you know, there's a, there's got, they've got a lot in common with running marathons, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you're just going to have to keep going, plodding on, put one foot in front of the other, don't look back, you know, <laughs> just get to the finish line and then we can patch it up or patch our bodies up in whatever way it needs to be. So yeah, I, I I didn't enjoy writing Mad Girl, but writing it literally changed my life. Like the feedback I get from it about it, the the people I've met through it, you know, just like it's incredible. Like having this conversation with you, I'm standing here on my road in London with my AirPods in, yeah, you know, doing a podcast with you in Canada, and it's like it's amazing how that whole thing kind of. Um, you know, it's it's just, it's kind of reached out, you know, it's amazing 
to be to be able to talk about you know it's really simple just talking honestly I thought getting better from mental illness was going to be really complicated yeah. <laughs> and you realize really it all it really involves is talking about it you know yeah and uh it's wonderful so I'm really glad I did it have you ever heard in Canada about this campaign called Bell Let's Talk no. So it's it's, Tell me about it. it's a really interesting campaign where a telephone provider, Bell, uh, I guess these similar to Orange or whatnot that you have them. there, they yeah. uh, partnered initially with an Olympic athlete here called Clara Hughes, and and she was basically a champion for talking about her struggle with mental health and how you can be the most physically able person and put yourself through, you know, winning Olympic medals and still have struggled with depression. And so this this one day every year, if anyone uses the hashtag Bell Let's Talk or texts with it or whatnot, Bell donates to, to charity. So it definitely becomes a um, one day where it is just very, very visible. And everyone That's kind amazing. of... That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's been interesting. I don't know how much it's actually progressing policies or anything like that, but it definitely gets the conversation going. I think that's really important as well because you know you, to get the policies changed, you have to have the conversation in the first place. You yeah. know, like I always think here, you know, when I did the Prince Harry interview, there was this, there was this kind of a small but vocal group of people going, "Well, you know, he's talked about it, and now he's going to create pressure on the our NHS, you know, uh, to provide mental health stuff, and you know, they just don't have the resources." And I was like, "Well." You know, the only way that our government sits up and takes any, you know, pays any attention and increases funding towards mental health division is if there's a massive demand, you know, if the demand gets made. And so many people sort of are just so scared and they feel so ashamed of the stuff in their head that they just keep it silent. And I always talk, I always say that mental illness, all mental illnesses, they work very much like abusers. You know, yeah. they, they, they thrive in a culture of silence. And when you challenge that and when you speak out that you can start to get better. Yeah. Because you think that you think that you're the only person that feels that way, that you're a freak, that no one's gonna understand what you're going through. And that's not true. There's there's someone, you know, down the street who does. You know, yeah. I, I I go to twelve step recovery meetings like AA and NA and um, you know, it amazes me that the I thought I was like the worst mum in the world because I used to drink loads, you know, in the evening once I put my daughter to bed and then I like go into this AA meeting this afternoon and there's like loads of parents who you know whose kids go to the same school as my daughter so you know it's it's really all of this stuff is really common yeah you know the more we talk about it the better so it's great that they've got that we've got that campaign in Canada yeah I, I, I think you've you've always been that little bit more advanced in terms of mental health issues than we are in you know in Britain well, I think I think it's just that culture, though, right? Because I, I have Scottish parents, and I remember the first time I talked to them about thinking I had depression, and it was kind of a, oh, like, we're supportive, but, like, this is new territory for us. We don't really talk about this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's, I feel really sad for, like, my parents and my grandparents' generation because they've just had to kind of, you know, keep quiet about all this stuff. They've never yeah. had the opportunity to get better from it. So it just got passed down through generations, yeah. you know, gradually getting worse and worse. And, um, you know, I, I'm just like, I remember thinking, I am not passing this on to my daughter, you know what I mean? or, or I'm certainly going to try my hardest not to. Or certainly, you know, she will, you know, all children, you know, we mental illness is still going to exist. 
but I want her to live in a world where she knows that she can come and talk to me about it just as she would if she had a sore throat or something, yeah. you know, or a headache or a yeah. stomach ache. So, you know, I think it's about, it's about opening it all up and, yeah. you know, making it all acceptable. So speaking of parenthood, major life changes can be very challenging on a person's mental health. Did you, did you experience postpartum? I didn't. I, I think, I think it's really interesting because I was incredibly depressed and I had terrible, you know, like I think I was just, it, it wasn't any different to what I already knew. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. And levels of anger. I was really used to those levels of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> of, so to me, I say it felt like a bit of a breeze, but you know, like the sterilization and the worrying, I was always worrying already. Yeah. So like it, it was, it was just like, oh, this is the same as before. But certainly I, when my daughter was about 18, well, 14 months, I, my OCD came back kind of what, you know, and this time was saying to me, maybe you've molested your child and you've blanked it out in, you know, shock. And that was when I was like, I can't, uh, no way. I am not. I was like, screw you, OCD. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, Jareth. I am yeah. not. Ja- I call him Jareth the Goblin King after yeah. the David Bowie character in, um, in Labyrinth. Yeah. And uh, I was like, screw you, Jareth. I'm not letting you carry on with this. Like, you know, I could just about deal with my brain telling me that maybe I was a serial killer. But I'm like, I cannot deal with being told that I'm a serial killing pedophile because I'm not. Yeah, I love that I'm walking along in public <laughs> in London and everyone's like, who is this strange woman? Call the police. <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, so yeah, so that was the point at which, you know, having my child really kind of spurred me on to get well, you know. Yeah. The concept of externalizing the disorder and naming it, I thought was so interesting because I've never, I've never thought of it that way before. And I love how you also talk about mental illness being a liar because it very much, I know my experience with mental illness has been that, um, you know, you're not enough. You're not like just that voice in your head constantly bringing you down. And so, yeah, I, I, I think it's such an interesting strategy to externalize it as a and give it a name yeah like I always say when I do talks here in the UK I'm like you know if you haven't thought of a name for your mental illness you could call it anything you know you could call it Donald Trump you could call it we don't you know. need more of that in our life no can't do it at least then at least then when you were standing on the street going screw you Donald Trump no one would like flinch <laughs> yeah you know, like I was standing there going, "Screw you, Jareth the Goblin King," and the people were like, "Whoa, this girl is weird." <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so I yeah, I think it, it does help me. It does help me to imagine it as a kind of an entity in its own right. Yeah. And if I like leave my locks, um, you know, the locks in my brain open, and if I don't close the windows and I don't protect myself, yeah, it's easier for him to get in. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. He may find a way. He may find a way, even if I have closed the doors and da 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 da. But at least I'm prepared. You know, yeah. at least I have that sort of. I have. I am. I am stocked up, and I will have weaponry in my brain yeah. to help. You know, battle him. Well, so you... that's 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 what that's why it helps. Yeah. To, uh... Have you have you seen the yeah. United Nations video? I think it was United Nations. They did the black dog video. 
I didn't know. I'll, no, ha- I'll have I to send it to you because it's a really interesting, it's instead of externalizing in, in this case, depression um, as a person, it sort of talks about the black dog. And I think Churchill had made a reference to it. And so they've, yeah. they've made this incredible video. So I'll, I'll definitely send that to you so afterwards. I, I have a new book coming out in May, at the end of May, called Eat, Drink, Run. And yeah. it's all about my, it's all about using running as a tool. It's basically about doing the thing you think you can't, right? Yeah. I have a whole thing in there where I'm like, the black, like, I can't call my thing the black dog. Because to me, dogs are like jumpy, yeah. like lovable. Yeah. They want to be taken for a walk and they want to cuddle up to you. Like when I'm feeling, when I'm feeling bad that's not me so I was like maybe I'll call it like the black elephant or the black sloth yeah you know? like clinging <laughs> yeah. on yeah like please or the black slug yeah you know? I know <laughs> like so I've done this whole I've done this whole thing where I like ask people what their animal would be because it is quite helpful and people do say dog you know obviously you can't you can't argue with Winston Churchill and yeah. his power <laughs> yeah. for words i'm not gonna say like what did he know yeah but um for me i'm definitely a black slot yeah well so speaking about words like do you feel passionately one way or another about certain words being appropriate or inappropriate around mental health like you know when people say normal or weird or mental like how do you feel about word choice well my book my book's called Mad Girl, so, yeah. you know, obviously that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it, I think weird and mental uh, ways we all feel when we're experiencing mental health. Yeah. Mad, you know, like I said earlier when you asked me how I was really. Yeah. Um, so I feel like, i tell you what does stick in my craw is, is like when people do say things like, I'm a bit OCD, and I yeah. know they don't do it on purpose, and I know that that's a cultural thing that they've been brought up with, you know, and it isn't their fault, but like, I would like to see an end of stuff to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we just had a thing in the, uh, a hotel in the, in Wales advertised for staff, for cleaning staff who were slightly OCD and there was a huge backlash and they had to pull the ad and obviously, oh my you know, gosh. And, you know, because it is that sort of thing that, it, you know, sometimes I think OCD is kind of described almost as a positive personality yeah. trait and it's not, but you know, it is a mental illness and it's an incredibly debilitating one at that. So um, that kind of it's me. But I, I think using humour to talk about mental illness is really important. Yeah. So because it allows you to kind of reclaim it a bit. And you know, I, certainly when I wrote Mad Girl, I didn't want it to be miserable. So yeah. like I always I pitched, I pitched it to my publishers. It was like an upbeat book about depression. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's easy. But like I, I wanted it to be funny. I wanted to be able to write with lightness because you know, I figured that people that were picking it up were probably feeling a bit low and, you know, uh, misery memoirs. I didn't want them to feel more miserable yeah. at the end of it. I wanted them to feel uplifted and like, okay, this girl's been through this too. I can do this, you yeah. know? So, so yeah. So I think it's important to kind of, you know, like for me, laughing about some of the stuff that happened is, is like, is, is really important because it's reclaiming it. Yeah. And, taking ownership of it and taking it away from Jareth Goblin King, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I've heard you talk about how it, it wasn't too challenging to be able to be open about mental health in your workplace. Cause they're quite forward thinking. What's your advice for people mm. whose workplaces aren't quite like that? How I always say like, find, okay. So like find your tribe, you know, like, 
because I often hear people say, oh, my husband doesn't understand me or my parents don't understand me or da, 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 or work don't understand. And, you know, like not everyone is going to be amazingly like enlightened immediately. Do you know what I mean? We have to accept that. That's yeah. the real world. Right. But so like find but there are people out there who will understand you and will be able to talk to you about it. And you've got to kind of find those people and they do exist and you only find them by kind of piping up and talking about it. So you may be able to sense that someone at your work, like there's a colleague who is, you know, is sympathetic and you really get on with and, you know, you have a laugh with and maybe you go for after work drinks with or you go out for lunch with her, is that person, you know, tell that person and ask for their advice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because that person may be able to say to you, well, look, just, you know what we need to I'll look out for you at work and I'll make sure you're okay and if things get too tough you know just pull a sickie and say you're sick yeah. you know what I mean yeah <laughs> um, so you know I think just having someone that you know that you can talk to is really important yeah. so you know my husband I love my husband dearly but he is like a real man you know like he was brought up on army bases okay. sorry I should say now quickly that real men uh, can talk about their feelings yes but he you know he's like that classic he um he's brought up an army basis stiff up a lip yeah and he you know he finds it hard to talk about his feelings and that's okay that yeah. is okay you know because I have a group of people that I can talk about so uh, talking about mental health mates you know we are like all over the UK but we are also in America and Australia and Dubai. So if anyone listening wants to set up like a mental health mates group in their in their part of Canada, or I suppose podcasts are very global, aren't they? Yeah. So anyway, you know, you can always go on our website, which is www.mentalhealthmates.com, and there's a walk pack that you can download, and it gives you all the resources for doing it. It's a very simple thing. Yeah. So you know, which helps you to find those people you know, who may be experiencing the same thing. Yeah, I definitely would be interested in that because I know I, I struggled really badly with postpartum depression and they just yeah. say that your likelihood of getting it the second time is higher. So oh, no. Like, okay, no. but like, you now know, you know, you now know and everyone's primed and, yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, in when you're in early motherhood, you know, like, you know, like it isn't that, you know, you're deprived of sleep, your hormones are everywhere. Like, like I think that the people, the people that don't go mad are the weird ones. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I just remember thinking like, I, uh, similar to that, like your mental health is lying to you um, or your mental illness mm. is lying to you. Like, I remember thinking like my child hates me. And they'd be better off without me and not in a, not in a take, yeah. your, take your life kind of way, but in a, I should just walk away now and they will be better equipped than like me being here. And looking back on that now, it's like, wh what your brain does to you is just shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you need to remember sometimes, you know, even that however awful it feels. And I know often with mental illness, like a day can feel like a week yeah. and a week can, can feel like a month and so on. But like, just remember it does pass. You know, you are not always going to feel that way. Yeah. Not, you are not. And the, you know, the light, there is light. And, you know, and I think knowing that it passes is one of the greatest tools of recovery I have. And I've learned that through meeting other people yeah. and learning that other people go through the same things as me. So, you know, this morning I had a, I had like an anxiety attack basically. Oh, no. And, um, and I, but I sat there and said, okay, what, what is the part, you know, I was like, this is going to go like, be kind to yourself. And also I was like, perhaps 
I needed this anxiety attack to remind me of how bad things used to be, you know, I, you know, and this is me recovery speak, you know, I was kind of craving alcohol and whatnot. And I, and it sort of that happened and I was like, okay, it's not great, but I remember I used to feel like this all the time, yeah, all the time. Do you know what I mean? So it's a reminder that I don't feel like this all the time and that's cool, you know, and I sort of take the positives and I go, okay, I feel like this now and I may feel like this tomorrow and I may feel like this the day after tomorrow. I may feel like this for a week or two weeks, do you know what I mean? But I know that the chances are I am not going to feel like this forever, you know? Yeah. So just, I sit with the feeling, experience it, you know, go with it and go and know and as much as you can, try, even if you don't in your heart believe it, just say the mantra my brain is lying to me my brain is lying to me because eventually it's like fake it till you make it you know even if you don't believe it eventually you will it'll it'll you know you'll get that gut feeling yeah you know and then just look after yourself like just look after yourself like hunker down victoria you know (laughs) like be like, but no, but I get that support system in place. And, like, yeah. don't see people. Like, don't, like, I I remember, like, turning my dad away from the door when my daughter was, like, four days old. Because I was like, I can't deal with anyone. <laughs> that made me feel bad in itself. And I was like, I'm a terrible daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, just, like, go easy on yourself. Yeah. So speaking of physical and mental challenges, you've so you've got this book, Eat, Sleep, Run, coming out? Eat, drink, run. Eat, drink, run. Okay. And like yeah. the dis okay, so the decision, you're already a mental health champion. You were writing about it, podcasting about it. <laughs> Why the marathon? What was that what was that need for you? I didn't yeah, I didn't have much on that week. Um no <laughs> I I just I well, I, I head together with the official charity of the London Marathon and I thought I have to be part of this. Yeah. And also like I wanted to prove that I could that I could do it you know like I also for me everyone's like that's going to be really hard you know people were like I wanted to prove that girls like me could do it women like me could do it you know like I'm a size 16 to an 18 you know I'm not thin I'm I was like 16 and a half stone I was like I'm trying to think like in terms of pounds I was probably like 200 pounds when I started training for the marathon you know so I was not small and like and I wanted to prove that I could do it. And and also everyone was like, oh my God, it's really far. And I was like, yeah. And they're like, that's going to be really hard. And I'm like, yes, running for 26.2 miles yeah. is going to be hard. But it, but it can be no harder than the days when I haven't been able to get out of bed at all. Yeah. You know, because of the weight of the black dog, sloth, elephant, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, you know, for me, it felt like a privilege and, it, it, you know, amazing. It, like I, what I love is now I can go out and like I ran and I'm doing it again this this year. I'm doing it with a plus size model called Jada Cesar and we are doing it in our underwear. Oh my gosh. <laughs> to prove that curvy girls, yeah. yeah, to kind of show that curvy girls can. And, um, and so we were out, we did like a half, we did like a 13 mile run on Monday morning and I, you know, it was hard but then I got to a bit where I was like I felt high and I was like I have done that with my own body yeah I haven't had to go to a bar I haven't had to go to a pub I haven't called a drug dealer I haven't you know what I mean like I can do the amazing thing that you can like do that stuff with your own body is incredible you know and it's like such a great feeling of you know and the self-confidence and the self-esteem that you get from it from knowing your body can do these kind of great distances is incredible so I'm yeah I did it last year and we raised again I raised forty seven thousand pounds for head together 
Yeah. And yeah, we're doing it again for her together this year. We had to like put the underwear part and past Kensington Palace, but they were okay. <laughs> I'm just worried about, I would be worried about chafing. Maybe that's just me. Oh, yeah. Oh, of course. Well, actually, you yeah, know, um, we have thought about that. So okay. we are going to Ibiza, Spain next week um, to train in our underwear there <laughs> because obviously, I don't know, like, I feel like if I was to go out, like, I've just been out for a run and I feel like if I... If I was to have gone out in my knickers and bra, like yeah. I probably would have got arrested. Like in London, it's, yeah. it's or you know, in the city, it's like not. Also, it's cold. Well, I'm just like the my, moment, my thighs I, touch, right? So re- them rubbing yeah. together oh, yeah, for twenty six no, no... miles. I know, but we we thought of that. Yeah, so we got we like like Lululemon um have very kindly given us a load of knickers. Although I'm thinking Lulu, like, Lulu, I love Lulu, because like, Lululemon's a Canadian brand. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, they've been really good to us and given us the biggest knickers that they can find. <laughs> so we're going to just go, we like, with our sack of Lululemon stuff and run around and slather ourselves in, like, petroleum jelly, I guess. Perfect. And nappy cream. Sexy. <laughs> well, I can't wait for the for the book to come out. That will be very exciting. So uh, we'll you. just start to wrap up, I guess, with the five questions that I ask all of our guests. Um, okay. and, and thank you so much. This has been incredible. So I have a feeling I might know <laughs> one of them, but um, it doesn't have to be mental health related. What are the things or the projects okay. that get you really fired up in a good way? Oh, well, big challenges. Things that I, the things that in like almost insurmountable challenges. I like one of those. Like, yeah. you can't do this. If someone says to me, you can't do this. I'm like, yes, I can yeah so So, yeah like proving proving my inner critic wrong yeah screw you jareth yeah yeah exactly yeah i love that i love the bigger the challenge the better yeah so what's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few years Ooh, that's a good question the most inspiring book i've read oh do you know there's a book i have just read right called why I am no longer talking to white people about race, which has come out here. And I think it's out in the, um, and it's incredible. Like it's really made, challenged me to think about diversity and our place and our part in it. And it's like blown my mind. Like I can't think of anything else. Like yeah. for me, it's like, I remember, do you remember reading, no, like I remember reading No Logo when I was like 19. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I'm never wearing Nike or whatever. And, yeah. You know, like that thing. And it's, like for me, it's the same thing. And I, when I'm, you know, I'm thinking a lot at the moment about how we make the world a fairer place for everyone and not just the privileged few. And yeah, it's really, it's really blown my mind. Yeah. Um, an amazing book. Oh, that's um, great. So that's, that's the most recent one. Yeah, we'll link um, to it in the show notes. Yeah, that would be amazing because it is Brill. It's Brill. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's complete. I mean, it's it's very British based, but, yeah. and then, uh, oh, there's another, yeah, like I read all the time. Like, yeah. um, if, like, how, like, my husband's like, please stop buying books. <laughs> You're like, it's my job. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, it's just like, I love, isn't there nothing, there is nothing better, is there, than yeah. like getting into bed at like nine. And like reading for a couple of hours. Yeah, absolutely. Or just, or even better are the days when you're like, my my fantasy is like going to stay in a cottage in the countryside in the UK, you know, like a, 
with like a fire burning and just yeah. like and someone says to me I'm looking after the kids or you, yeah. just, you know I, I take care of everything and I can just lie on a sofa yeah. reading or a, wi- a window seat yeah yeah. Oh my god, don't even get me started. I might <laughs> yeah. orgasm on your show. Sorry. Oh, good. <laughs> this is what gets me going. There now. There. Yeah, sorry. Gets I'm you fired up in a good way. On. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite quote or words that you live by? Oh, my favorite quote. The words I live by is if in doubt, run it out. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And, 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 and do the thing that you don't want to do because you will feel like I don't want to get up most days. I don't want to go for a run. I don't want to go and do this, that, the other. But if I do it, I can guarantee I won't regret it and I'll feel high as a kite afterwards. Yeah. Do the thing you think you can't. Yeah. Great, great life advice, which leads into or, what is the best yeah. life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given? <laughs> I mean, there's like a like time limit on this podcast. Isn't there? <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 always learning, and I think that would be it. Is that you know to, to keep my keep an open mind. Yeah, keep an open mind, and you know, and be prepared to learn every day. Yeah, I think that's the best thing I've learned from people, other people, wiser people than myself. Yeah. So, Brian, the last question is: What does it mean to mm-hmm. you to live your best life? My best living my best life. I guess it's doing the right thing, doing the next right thing. Yeah. Um, uh, and it might, uh, might be living my best life may sometimes, like I think it's important to remember that like life is not always going to be like fluffy clouds and sunshine and rainbows and yeah. kittens and puppies and all the rest of it. Like there are going to be tough times, but I think if I, if I do, if I try and do the right thing, always then I can get through those tough times if that makes sense yeah and yeah so going through as I said earlier going through things rather than try going through things rather than around them yeah you know just get on just get up get your get your bad day out of the way that's my that's my favorite thing someone sorry going back to the last question someone said to me just get up and get the bad day out of the way because you're gonna have to at some point you know what I mean yeah stop putting it off go through it yeah Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. 